Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And welcome to another episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the book. Something that I wrote last year. It covered my highs and lows, basically, of being a mum. It was a very honest account. And once I'd finished that, once it was published, I wanted that conversation to continue. So last year, I launched the podcast. We're now on the second series. And today's guest, well... It's a bit of a different guest, for a start. It's a man. I mean, you can hear the breathing, probably. That was a definite male Ooh. sniff. <laughs> but he's also... Uh, he's, well, he's just got a very different job to anyone that I know. Today's guest is a survival expert, a TV presenter, an ex-elite forces... Operator. Operator. And a dad of five. It's Ant Middleton. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Dad of five. Mm. That's a lot of kids. Yeah, I started young and I just love kids. What people don't realise with me is that kids are like my kryptonite. Yeah. Know, I, I love kids. And my eldest is 16 and my youngest is one. So I've got a quite a wide range yeah. there. So Is that good though? Do the older ones help out? Yeah, they're excellent. You know, we've got a very strong family unit bond. So... I've got a 16-year-old who lives with his mum in Portsmouth from a previous relationship. Right. So he's pretty grown up and he just comes and goes as he pleases. And with my wife now, Emily, I've got a 10-year-old daughter, an 8-year-old son, mm-hmm. a 2-year-old daughter and a 1-year-old son. So I've got boy, oh, girl, boy, girl, boy. I pre-ordered them. 
I was lucky. That was pretty special. Mm-hmm. And are, are you done or are you growing more? No, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I would have a couple more, but, you know, I think uh, I've put my wife through the meal. Um, we've got a lovely little family going on. And, and it I seems just that way on your Instagram as well, because you're, you're so lovely in how you post about them. I saw your post the other day about kissing your little one. And yeah, how every no, photo is a kiss. I love my kids. You know, it's one of those where that's my downtime. That's what relaxes me. That's where I'm at peace. Really, is when I'm at home and I've got the kids climbing all over me because it just takes my mind off of everything. I focus on their innocence and on them as children and trying to provide and give them the best opportunities in life that I can. Even though they're young, you know, and all they need at this stage is love and attention. Mm. Thinking about how I grew up, I just want to be able to give them a lot more options than I had, put it that way. Yeah, and you knew pretty young that you wanted to go into the armed forces, right? Yeah, I sort of knew from the age of 14 and I was quite a hyper-competitive child, you know, so I always wanted that challenge, but I always wanted to be self-sufficient. I wanted to stand on my own two feet. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be on my own, even though I come from one of six. Oh, wow, so you're from a big family anyway. Yeah, exactly, so that's why kids, I'm (laughs) lost like kids, kids, kids. But, um, yeah, I wanted to sort of pull away from from that large family sort of mould and and try and make something of myself. I joined the army at the age of 16. I can't, for your mum, that must have been such a terrifying prospect. Well, when I look at 16-year-olds now... Well, you've um, got a 16-year-old. Yes, so exactly. So if your 16-year-old yeah. son you know turned around to you now, like, wow. what would you... How do you feel? You know, I work hard so I can give them options, but yeah. ultimately, if that's what he wanted to do, then I would coach him and make sure that he went down the right avenues. Mm. I wouldn't necessarily push him into it, yeah. but listen, if he wants to do it, then I'll support him. Would I really though? That's the thing, because I think (laughs) it's one thing putting yourself in those situations and having put yourself in those situations before, but knowing what your son is potentially putting himself into that position, or daughter, you know, either way. Yeah, and I wouldn't like to see my son exposed to what I've seen um, and done, but it's one of those, you know, I'd be a a hypocrite if I said no. You know, all my children are active, they're all adventurous they all like to drive me crazy and <laughs> drag me here there and everywhere so very much like myself as a kid yeah. so I can relate to that and I suppose it's just getting out there and finding your own feet you know figuring it out for yourself I suppose those late teenage years they sort of want to separate themselves like I yeah, did. yeah yeah find their own feet and then maybe come back yeah. later on in their early 20s and go you know what dad maybe you can help me out a bit now yeah so wissy wissy and and you're talking about them being adventurous and stuff when you are here because you do go away for a long period mm-hmm. of time but when you're here are you setting them challenges <laughs> are you camping in the garden <laughs> like yeah. what do you do i'm not doing a sas who dares wins at home that's <laughs> with the sure, one year old because they're the get ones down. that are running me ragged you know if anything i'm one of the recruits <laughs> yeah we know we get out and about quite a lot mm. We're not this sort of PlayStation or Xbox generation. It's one of those anyway, they let me know. They drive me crazy in the house and before I know it, I'm in the woods making a den or <laughs> I've got you know, brand new trainers that I've bought are covered in mud and yeah, they keep me on my toes. But I like to get them out and I like to just stimulate their minds, let them know, you know, give them as much experience as I can about life and about what's out there and it's a shame nowadays you look at the modern day sort of child and you know you don't find much on wildlife or Mm. on on trees and it's all about technology computers 
it saddens me that that happens. So I just try and keep the raw basics of life, you know, the old survival instincts, going out with your survival handbook like I used to do and <laughs> building bow and arrows and, you know, and spears and playing in the woods. I think that's forgotten. That's overseen far too much nowadays. Yeah. So I try to install as much as that as I can in them. Because there's always a balance, isn't there? Because you kind of want them to have that know what that technology side is because sure. you, you don't want them to go to school and be behind or everyone no, else be doing it but at the same time you want them to just enjoy the things that yeah the raw the basics of life <laughs> what right life. you know that's yeah it's exactly that you know i want them to keep current and move with the times but i don't want them to forget the basics of life yeah. you know <laughs> just down to that raw sort of gritty survival and just the bare basics, even down you to swimming You are teaching them survival like instincts. Yeah, I like to just sort of, you know, when I take them out, for example, if I'm going to a water park or yeah. to Disneyland or wherever it may be, the first thing I make sure that, that they do is identify a prominent reference point. You know, kids, if you get lost, you make your way back to this reference point. There might be a, a big dome with something on top of it you yeah. know and halfway through the day i say where's the dome and they look around and go there right where do you need to go right i need to stand at the bottom of that dome at the entrance and if we ever become separated yeah. i'll come and find you you know so i'm always That's aware and tip. i'm always you know and i think it's very important and i said it to someone the other day we were out snowboarding i was snowboarding with my son who's eight years old and at the bottom of the slope, there was this big pub where everyone partied, but had a massive red heart on it. Right. You know, and I wouldn't really tell them to go to a pub, but it was so prominent. You could see it at the top of the slope. So I said, if we get separated or you fall or whatever it may be, just always just go to that heart. You know, go to the heart and yeah. I will find you. So the moment I find, you know, I see that you're separated from me, just go there, wait there because I will be there. So it's just little things like that. And, and my, my power who's with me is like, wow. And, you know, I'd never no. you know, never think about saying anything like that. But you never know what will happen. Yeah. You know, he, he could, I could be out of control and go zooming down that hill, yeah. get separated from my son. Yeah. And then before you know it, right, where are we meeting? At the Red Love Heart. Oh, so, yeah. I love that. I love mm. that. And you've got really little ones, one and two. Yes, correct. And am I right in thinking that when you were filming, mm. you, you booked to come back on a due date? And... Is that right? Yes. <laughs> it's out there. It's yes, out there. that is true. How well, did your wife feel? How did you feel knowing that this was going to be... I know you're one that's, you know, you do these things for your family yeah, sure. and it's a massive opportunity. Mm -hmm. But that, like, how much communication was there? Did you know if she'd already had the baby? You know, like, all of that. what was going through your head when you were out there for that three months? When this commission came up... She wasn't yet pregnant. Right. When the commission dates came in, yeah. I knew that I'd be leaving when she was seven months pregnant. Oh. And I knew that I'd have no contact with her whatsoever because we had to keep it authentic. Yeah. We were reenacting the mutiny on the bounty from 1789. So mm. back then they had no technology. So we kept it as authentic as possible. But we were due to do it in six weeks. So it gave me a two week buffer. I right. Like, Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll be back. And my wife could see that I was excited. She's like, just go and do what you need to do, you know, go off and play. I was like an excited kid, you know, yeah. can, I, can I do it? She's like, yes, go, go. But we ended up taking eight weeks to do oh. it. So as I hit the beach that morning, 
obviously I got straight on the phone to her and I, I think through gritted teeth she was like you do realise it's my due date and I was like so you hadn't even been able to tell no, her that you were going to be two weeks no I spoke to her for two months oh my gosh so she, I didn't even know if she had the baby or, but <laughs> I was thinking to myself please please but she was late with all the others so obviously I was, I was good right <laughs> That was my theory behind it anyway. So through gritted teeth, she said this. And the protocol was that we have five days R&R in Bali. Right. Because we needed to unwind. And I wasn't even brave enough. She was like, obviously, you're coming home tomorrow morning, aren't you, darling? And I was like, yes, darling. So I flew back the next morning and three days later... How was it being on that boat, though, or any of the challenges that you do? Because I know, I mean, that one was a particularly, it must have been even strenuous for you. Mm, The SAS Who who Dares Wins is more, it's it's different. How is it going through things like that, knowing that your family at home, that you can't, how can you separate it? Are you thinking about your family? Are you thinking about what you're doing? Do you have to just think about what you're doing? I treat it like I'm out on an operation. I treat it like I've got a job to do. Mm. I need to focus on that job, especially with mutiny. It was a serious job. I was responsible for eight individuals. We're on the high seas. They're unpredictable. You know, you're never going to win against Mother Nature. So you have to treat it with respect. So I sort of cut off like I did when I was on operations. I didn't let that thought process enter my mind. However... Realising during the journey that I wasn't on operations and I wasn't getting yeah. shot at and, you know, the likelihood of me coming home was very, very high. Yeah. The emotions and thought process start to kick in. You start yeah. to think about your family, you start to think about your children. And it was the first time really that in a job that serious that I could really let that take control of me. Mm. You know, I could let that actually guide me through rather than being on operations where, you know, don't talk to me unless the kids are in hospital or there's an emergency then that's the only time I need to know apart from that I don't need to be distracted and it's quite selfish of me don't get me wrong but is that but that was my way of coming home that was yeah. my way of making sure that I could get home to my family by cutting them out but with this work it's quite nice because actually now that I do think about them and I do let that emotional side sort of take over, mm. it's it helps me out a lot. Force it's, now. Yeah, it's my driving force, mm. and it's opened up a whole sort of lease of life for me. If I'm being completely honest, emotions I used to think were you know a weakness, and you know you shouldn't really, as a man, show your emotions. All this sort of macho-ness. but now I've sort of gone. Not completely have that you way, open, but, have you, opened the flat you know, <laughs> as you see, when I got on mutiny, when I yeah. got on to the beach, just the thought of going home to my family, getting the, the men home safely to their loved ones and in one piece, you know, I let my emotions take over and I'm glad I did because it's something that I should be proud of and it's mm. something that, that's in there anyway. So if it's, if it's telling you to get out and after that sort of emotional dump, you know, you feel related, you feel, yeah. you know, it helps you sort of acknowledge what you've achieved and what you've done. Yeah. And emotion is a big part of it. Yeah, totally. It's like when my wife gave birth. I never cried in front of my wife ever. But when she gave birth, every single time, I found myself crying, you know, because one, you're so relieved that the baby's okay, then you're relieved that your wife's okay. That's where the emotion comes from. And it's that everyone's okay. It's that sort of emotional dump. Also, doing what you do, you know, what you used to do as well, where... You do see horrible things and it's and it's awful. And then it comes back to this really simple thing of life mm-hmm. and this beauty of life and how innocent that baby is. And, of course. And you'd do anything. And I think that moment, it just it kind of 
the world seems to make it's over, sense. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I used to. I remember when I first came off tour from Afghanistan, and my daughter was born. 10 days before my first tour of Afghanistan. So she was born and 10 days later I went I deployed to Afghanistan for mm-hmm. 6 months and then after 6 months I came back and I can remember literally being in a war zone and in a firefight a couple of days before and a couple of days later I found myself playing with my daughter's dolls in her room and my wife was just like you know it's so such a special moment that you can go from doing that to actually being and I can only dis- describe it as completely at peace really where I'm just there playing with a doll with my daughter that I barely know Mm. but it's unconditional isn't it you can't really explain it it's just like that innocence you just want to wrap up and just protect and hold forever but you know you just have to pass her on to mum and and go go off and do what you need to do and I was brought up without a father so I can I think that's why I'm such a compassionate father is because Mm. you know I didn't have it when I was young do you ever worry about what you will miss when you're not there? Is it getting harder now that you are letting that emotion? Yeah, in? yeah, it does get harder because you know I want to my children and like you know how long are you going away for and you know I remember when I went to Afghanistan for my last tour, it was more than a hundred days, but the children were like you're away for a hundred days, <laughs> you know, so like that's like a million to them, right? Yeah, so yeah. you know. It, yeah, it affects you. You think to yourself, what am I missing? You know, I grew up without a father and I don't necessarily want to be away more than than I'm there. Mm. There are sacrifices that you make in life to, to build this family. As long as they're not permanent, yeah. then you've just got to come to terms with, actually, that's a sacrifice that I need to take during this period of time. And then after that, I'll rectify it. I'll mm. move on to a different sacrifice or a different priority. You know, as long as that doesn't roll on Which my whole career. Which is so easy to do. So of easy. course it is. It's just like you're working, you're enjoying your work and then before you know it, wow, I haven't, I haven't seen you for a couple of months yeah. and it's just like, Daddy, you know, I want you home now. Yeah. yeah. And I know there is an element of it was a job and it's what you've trained to do, but every time you went away, especially in certain trips... Was there an element of you might might not come back? How would you work that? Do you just switch off of that goodbye? Is it something that you don't even think about? No, I uh, never put that in my mindset. I always knew that I would be on that plane home. Mm. I always knew I'd be on that helicopter home after a mission. And that I was guess, just because if it's mindset, in your mind at all, that then was it's all mindset. Yeah. And it's all just positive thinking, you know. So I wouldn't, even if it was a day before I went on operations, I wouldn't change my family routine. It would just be as if I was going to work. Right. Like, good, good, goodbye, darling. Goodbye, kids. Really? Our daddy will be home soon. Yeah. I didn't want to leave them with that thought process in their minds by saying, right, I've noticed a different tone in his voice. He's acting a bit strangely here. Something's not right. Mm. To leave them for six months, not fair. Yeah. So it's just a case of I'm going to work. I will be home. Mm. Not everyone comes home. I put my hands up to that, but they are, I was one of the fortunate ones that did. Mm. And that's why I wouldn't contact them that much when I was on, on operations. I didn't want them to hear that nervousness in my voice. Or I remember I called her one day just before I was going to go on a really, really, really big operation. It's only because I was the first man in and we had to navigate through a minefield. And I thought, if any time's going to come, this is going to be the time. And... I remember phoning her up and she was like, what's wrong? Straight away, really? what's wrong? And I'm like, I just to let you know that I love you. And she's like, 
and what you're doing. You know, it's as much as I would needed that clarity of mindset. She was happy that she wasn't exposed to anything. That's yeah. the way she, she she dealt with things as well. So she would just concentrate on the kids and mm. what she had to do. But that was the one time and I thought to myself, I've gone against my own rules here, you know. And yeah. Well, I guess that sort of shows you that yeah, actually no, there's a course. reason why you had those rules and yeah. keep them there. They've been my driving force, as you well know, being mm. a parent. You know, my wife and my children are the reason why I want to come home, why I'm not reckless, why I'm, you know, I do the things that I do is because... Ultimately, it's all for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One thing I am interested about is the transition period mm-hmm. of you coming home. Because I've got friends who are actors and yep. they go off for a couple of months and uh, and they might have Skype or things like that and they still get to see their kids. But when they come back, there's still a period where the kids are on shore. Everyone's sort of learning their feet. Like I have it with Tom's yeah. away for like three weeks. You're all kind of learning how to be together mm-hmm. again. What's that like when you there's no communication? Just exactly the same. Really? You know, I come home, I ruin a routine. The, the kids can <laughs> do so what they want. I know. <laughs> She's like, "Will you just go back to work?" But no, it's that's. I'm glad to hear that because that's what happens at home. Yeah. For those two, three weeks, it's chaos. You know, Emily's out of her routine. The house is a mess. The, you know, <laughs> the kids are just doing what they want to do. They're knackered because I'm letting them stay up because daddy's home. And it's meant to be easier because daddy's know, home. I know, I <laughs> know. Everyone's looking forward to And, you know, you just got to get past that period and then all of a sudden everything just falls into place again. And yeah. Then before you know it, you're away again. Yeah. What would you say is your role within the house? I mean, everyone always says, you know, either strict one or not. I don't think there's necessarily that line of I don't think one parent is the strict one but how what are you like as a dad because obviously we know you as yes yeah, tough, tough nut. yeah <laughs> I'm not that um, Emily's a disciplinarian even though she's not strict we're not strict parents I like to communicate with my children mm-hmm. you know I don't like to shout at them I don't like to scare them I don't think they should be scared into doing things or fearful into being told off, you know, you should really just sit them down and and because that's what I was, I was fearful right. when I was young of doing things wrong. And you live your life on on the edge as a child, yeah. you know. And you think to yourself, very much. What do you think has made you want to reason with them? Is it the way that you were brought up, or is it your job? No, because if people sit me down and talk, you know, I'll have someone shout at me all day long, and all I do is either Doesn't turn into it. the Hulk, or <laughs> I just just cut it out because that's what's 
people have done that to me my whole life, and that's done has no effect on me. Yeah. So when people actually sit me down and talk to me and go right, and this is what, then I take it all on board. I, you can you learn from it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now rather than just being that shouty, you know, when I do raise my voice, which I do on the rare occasion, mm. then everyone just you know everyone's. <gasps> Right, we must have done something really, really bad now, you know, and and that's because either they put themselves in harm's way, right. or they've done something dangerous that can yep. harm them or, or or the children, or I don't know. It's just just what's always been installed into me, you know. I've always thought that if you sit down with people and, and talk to them, you know, I wouldn't shout at you if you've done something wrong. I wouldn't shout at you. So why would no. I shout at my kids? Exactly. I'd say, I'd say you know, do, you know, obviously speak to them on a different level. Mm. You know, if you don't do it to everyday people then mm. why on earth would you treat your kids like that it doesn't yeah. make sense to me so I just go with my instinct and you know sometimes I'm right sometimes I'm wrong but that's yeah. parenting you know well and sometimes shouting is counterproductive anyways you're not no, going to get messed it, up no. anyone you see SAS who dares wins and people think oh, I'm this disciplinarian and but that's the military side of things, you know, mm. we need to install discipline into these guys in 10 days. So that whole, this is what you do, this is what needs to be done, you know, that's that whole military mentality. But when I'm at work, I'm used to dealing with life or death. Mm. You know, ultimately, when we go, everything that we train for and we do is to prepare us for war, which is life or death. So it has to be serious. It has to be tuned. It has to be on the ball. Yeah. So the moment you make one mistake, you're dead or... yeah. Someone else is dead and you've got to live with that, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that seriousness of my work life. And then when I go into my home life, it's com- I'm completely like yeah. one scale, you know, I'm on, the, I'm on the other end of the spectrum because that's who I am ultimately. I like to think I'm a nice guy and, uh, you know, but when I'm at work, I work. And when I'm at home, I'm at home. It's kind of giving you a different perspective, I think. Yeah, you know, no, no, definitely. And my wife always says, and I say to my wife, "You're, you know, she's the only person that truly knows me because, mm. you know, she, she says sometimes when I when I act stupid or I do stuff, she's like, if only your fans could see you now. <laughs> <laughs> like, do, you, do you feel that pressure, though, of maintaining that SAS guy, you know? No, I don't, image. because when I'm at work, that is me. Yeah. You know, when I'm at work and I'm doing something serious, like with mutiny and my survival, it's serious stuff, yeah. you know, it is serious stuff. So when something needs to be done, I'm very regimental, it needs to be done, I'm going to get the job done. Mm. And then when I get home, right, I need to be a father, I need to be a, a good husband as I can be. How do I do that? Mm. So that's just, and that's just me, it works for me. Yeah. It works for my family, it works for my wife, and hopefully it will work for my kids. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it is. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, not, I'm not doing too badly. I was quite surprised watching SAS Who Dares Wins about how much emotion was in it. I yeah. watched it and I, I did not expect to cry. There's a scene basically where these two twins, yeah. one of them picks the other, they spar each other and they, or they can only hit each other in the face, which I think is a bit mean. And um, and I, I, as a mum watching that, I was a bit like, oh, if that was my son's... And you said, but why can, did he pick his brother? There is that. There is that. Idiot. <laughs> but you there's know. parts of the show that I didn't. I didn't realise, but it would be so emotional. Mm-hmm. And you're saying about emotion, mm-hmm. and having that military background where it was, you don't cry, you don't mm-hmm. show this, but you you don't have that rule with your kids. And how? Because obviously you want them to know that emotion is fine and you know we're all now about you know you don't say don't cry like a girl you don't say certain things oh yeah you know if you've got something that's going on and you need to tell me then do you you tell me however you need to tell me son that's fine yeah but i think there's a fine line 
Every time my son gets told off, he cries. No, come on, son. No, we we live in a cruel world, and we live in a society where nothing's perfect. Obviously, so you know people are going to take advantage of your softer side, of your emotional side. So I do try and make sure that he controls his emotions. Right. I do say to him, right, you're a little man now. You know, yeah. you know, have a stiffer upper lip. And that's the way life is. Do you ever feel yourself though when you say like? Because obviously he is getting older. At what point do you kind of go, oh, but I just want to cuddle you and say, are you all right? Or is it just like, no, <laughs> All the time, come on. all the time. You know, if I could wrap him up in cotton wool and have him attached to me on a baby harness all day and he's <laughs> eight years old, which I don't think he'd like, um, then I would. But it's like, like he does my tie, um, my son. He, right. he, he fights. Um, and Gosh, that must be difficult seeing your kids. his mum takes him to my tie, right. if he gets hit in the face or if he gets hit... He'll cry. I would okay. blooming cry. If I take him to my tie, for example, he'd get hit and he'd take a look and you see his eyes when they look at me and I'd just just give him a nod as to say, it's okay, son. Yeah. Just, you know, use like, that. that harness, harness that aggression and, and, and use it, you know. That's life. Don't get me wrong, when my son looks at me, I feel his pain and I go, to, I'll go I want to take him out the ring. Yeah. But he enjoys it. When he comes out of there, he goes, Dad, you know, yeah, I got hit, but I could, you know, done that. But you see that kick that I've done. And, you know, if he says to me, Dad, I don't want to fight no more, I don't want to train anymore, um, there's no way in a million years that I push him. Right. He enjoys doing it. He loves doing it. And, you know, you get that, that, that sort of fear and that nervousness when he comes up to a fight. But, when he comes out the other end, mm. he loves it. He wants to get back in the ring. He wants to go back into training. He wants, you know, with this day and age, a lot of people say the right things and then they do the opposite. Well, right. I don't. You know, I'll say it how it is. And in my heart of hearts, I know that I think that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Then that's. that's and they're happy. Matters. Yeah. And they're happy. Of course. Of course. That's it. That's the main thing. That's all they need. They all they need at this age is 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 love and and yeah. to make sure that they're happy. They don't need anything else. Do you feel like you're enjoying fatherhood a lot more now? Yeah, definitely, 100%, because I haven't got that emotional cut-off. Mm -hmm. So when I'm away, I want to know my daughter, how she's done on horse riding. Mm. Now, my son's fight, how did, he, how did he get on? So I'm always curious on how they're doing, and I always want to hear their stories because that's what keeps me going. I'm like, oh, cool, and the kids are okay, and Emily's okay, and everything's okay at home. The fort's solid at home, you know, so yeah. it allows me to do what I need to do and to the best of my ability. How did you change? Do you feel yourself change when that your babies came along? Do you know what? I don't know if it was a good feeling at first because I, I felt that whole fear of something could happen to them or not being there 24 hours to protect them. Yeah. You know, I think about that a lot. Do you? you Still know, now? Yes. And those that thought process does come in and it's a horrible feeling to have because you're so protective and you're so... These thoughts kick in every now and then. I think, should I be at home? Mm. Or is it fair to leave Emily with all this responsibility? But then you look at life and you think, well, actually, that's life. You know, I've got all this responsibility to make sure that they've got clothes on their back, that yeah. they've got a roof over their head, that that they're happy. Yeah. That's a big responsibility. And in order to do that, you have to have this balance between work and family. That has to work in sync. The moment mm. one crumbles, the other will crumble behind it. They feed each other. Mm. And if you can get that right and you can get that balance right, like I don't go out, I don't you know, socialise too much nowadays, or when I do, it's a coffee. I'm quite boring nowadays. But it's because I've got this balance so right and I'm loving life at the moment yeah. that I don't want to mess it up. 
you know, it's working. It's amazing that you've sync. got the balance. I literally feel like I'm still juggling. I'm a bit like yeah, this. but you but you do you, yeah, but you you always juggling. This mold everywhere. is always moving. There's there's no set mold. The mold's yeah. always moving. But as long as it's within that mold, okay, and it doesn't spill out, um, this mold is always changing. It's always moving. That's what happens. Yeah, you know, things fit into here, and this juggling whole juggling effect, as yeah. you said. But as long as you're keeping that juggling effect within that mold, then. Uh, then it, it it works. It works mm. for me anyway. I love my life at the moment because I'm literally bouncing from work to family, work to family, work to family. And yeah. I haven't got time for much else. And I'm loving life. People always say to me, how do you do it all? I'm like, well, I don't see friends and I don't sleep. I know, it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like when I went on mutiny, you know, I'd, uh, after like a week when everyone was just like, oh, I was like, right, guys, let's do They're like, where are you getting your energy from? I'm like, I've got four children at that time. I had four children and a, and a baby of six months. So uh, that's what gets us into our lifestyle. That's what yeah. gets us up out of bed, right? Yeah. We don't need an alarm me. clock, do we? No, I literally, I don't actually know the last time I set my alarm. Yeah, no, no, what time are you waking up in the morning with the kids? Probably about quarter to six. Same. Six if it's quarter past five, I'm always like, no. Yeah, no. So there's no way back. Like SAS grip on them. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing though isn't it I think if it's a quarter past five wake up you're just like it's so close to but they're not going to go back to sleep and you can't nod off can you you can't the nod time off you nod off and you get back into that deep sleep you're just like oh no I've got to get up so don't punish yourself don't do it just, just get up just get up it's almost just like a form up. of torture you'd probably say yeah, yeah, yeah. But, do you know, you know what it is it is that's why probably I made a good special forces operator there we go. I was already trained in it with my 16 year old <laughs> Uh, do you experience dad guilt at all? Because mum guilt, I think, whatever you do, you experience guilt, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, or when you feel like you should be at work, whatever you do, you do with your children, I feel like there is yeah, some I do sort of experience guilt dad guilt. And you know, the whole, I need to go to, the, to this event for networking. You're really being a busy fool, right? Yeah, so yeah. do I need to be there? Yes, I do, because there's going to be important people there. And if I, you know, I need to mix and I need to, to show them that I'm keen and, but am I getting paid to do it? Is it having an immediate effect on my family life? No, it's not because it's not paying the bills. It's not, but it needs to be done. So that's when I have dad guilt, you know, when I've got three events on the trot and I'm out for three nights on the trot and I'm coming in at like 11 o'clock or whatever. And yeah, yeah, well, the, it's work, Emily's it's, like, um... are you getting paid for this? I'm like, no. <laughs> are you getting paid for tomorrow night? No. How about Friday night? I'm like, no so dad guilt does kick in and uh, but then you get to these events and you realize how important it was yeah yeah yeah. but obviously emily doesn't because she's sat at home or she's doing whatever she's out with you know she doesn't realize um you know the effects that that meeting has had and that that must be quite difficult because now you're doing things and they're essentially fun Yes. A lot of the things you're doing are <laughs> yeah. for fun. So whereas you would have been away before and it's not fun, yeah. now it's she like... She sort of knew oh, I was in a, in a conflict zone. She's like, hmm, where are you going to go from here? <laughs> but now, yeah, she does. She's like, you're off around the world, you know, doing your thing. And then she might sit on a call that I've got on loudspeaker or she might read some emails just to keep her in the loop what's going on. Then she's like, no, actually, you know, I just had a little, a little moment there. You know, it's... Uh, but I think it's just communication. Yeah. I think that's a big part of a relationship which I sort of failed for for many years was being able to communicate because you couldn't talk about what you'd done, mm. you couldn't talk about where you were going because you couldn't have that security leak. Yeah. And you sort of, I sort of carried that on over. 
we communicate on a level where we literally just, you know, any little thing that's bothering you, just tell me because it's probably no one here as bad as yeah. you're thinking or or it's worse than you're thinking. No, it's, <laughs> it's never worse, never worse. But um, do you know what I mean? So I think communication for any family is, is key. Yeah. And you come from a big family. You have a big family. Mm-hmm. Have you got any tips for people that are maybe going to have big families? Don't just bring children into this world just to make relationships better mm-hmm. to because you think there's something missing uh, ultimately it's not going to work yeah i've been there and i've done it well it's not an easy ride is it it's not that an easy kid? ride and you know make sure you're in a good position mm. make sure that you can offer these children choices i'm not talking about 10 for you know i'm talking about a couple of choices in life or a couple of direct you know make sure that you can you've got enough time and and uh and i'd even say you know People hate to mention it, but enough finance to be able to 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 bring these children in to to give them the best life that you want to give them. Ultimately, you know, it's not just a case of banging out loads of kids and it's going to sell because it, it, you know, before you know it, the the kids' lives aren't really enriched. You know, they're missing out on certain things, and because you didn't actually sit down and think about it. So, if you're yeah. thinking about having a big family, I would say definitely sit down and think about it. And that's what myself and my wife did. That's why we had Shyla and Gabriel, who's ten and eight, mm-hmm. is because at that time we were in a good place. We wanted two children, and then six years later, we found ourselves in a another good position where we're like you know what let's extend the family yeah you know that's that's the logical way of thinking and people say no i just bring kids into the world they change your life and i don't think like that if i could have them in my house when they're 30 40 you know at this stage in my life i would right you know i love i love my kids yeah. my, my daughter says to me she went yeah when i move out and i'm like <laughs> like say that again She's like, when I, I was like, listen, I'm going to build you a house on my grounds. You'll be fine. I'll build you a little outhouse. You can have your own room, your own. <laughs> See, I've read something where you said about not wrapping, uh, we shouldn't wrap people up in cotton wool. No, we shouldn't. When it no. comes to your kids, though, is there an element of you just wanting to go, oh, oh they're, yeah. stay with me forever? Yeah. I'm like that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep wrapping. Big reel of cotton wool. Um, that's my inner circle. That's yeah. that's my my Garden of Eden as such. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That's where I, I re-energise. And then poof, I get sort of let out into the world and go and do what I do. Bring bring what I need to bring back. Re-energise. Boom. That's how very much I look at it. Yeah. So a lot of people say to me, and you've just finished mutiny and now you're going back. You know, you should be resting and you're going back to a family of four or five when Bly was born. But for me, that is my downtime. Yeah. You know, it sounds strange, but then, you know, I've got baby climbing up here. I've got one hitting me with a tennis racket. I've got one that's throwing a football at me, and I'm just like, do you go to any baby classes? No. I do read up a a lot about being a parent. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I find it interesting that at the age of seven, the seven first years of their life, or seven, eight, are really important because when I look at the first six, seven years of my life, I had a loving father, really loving. It passed away when I was five. Right. And I sort of had this sort of iron fist stepfather come in straight away from the Mm. age of six onwards. But if I would have had my stepfather's personality, then I'd probably be this sort of like this ruthless, you know, man's man sort of like what you cry, you know, sort of. But I haven't. I've got this, my my nap, me at my my purest and yeah. me you know reverting back to my personality is this loving adult that you know wants to help everyone that wants to 
be there that wants to and that comes from my father for the first five years that he gave me yeah. and I can remember sort of him in never laying a finger on me I remember one day I pushed my friend down the stairs and my father came out and he sort of looked at me and he just brought me down to the bottom of the stairs put us both together and started talking to me right? mm. saying look you shouldn't be doing it and I, I, it's the first time that I thought I was in trouble and then I look at my personality and how I'm with my, with my kids that sort of formula yeah, I think it does work because I think to myself, wow, I've had two different completely sort of role models in my life who couldn't be more different. Mm. But I've always reverted back to my father who yeah. installed that into me in the first five years. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So it's quite interesting. So. Do you think you use more of your dad in your home life then? Maybe a bit of your Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Do you know what? And, you know, I'm grateful for his time and... Yeah. Uh, I, used to flick between the two to do what I needed to do and to get the job done but now I sort of completely revert back now to this sort of whole humble side has has hit me where I think you know six seven years ago it would have been this more arrogant big-headed type of you know bit blase a bit mad type of guy yeah I've definitely gone back to my default setting which is my father which is great yeah so I want you to finish these three sentences Being a dad means? Being loving, being caring. I love that. Since having children, I? I've become a lot softer. (laughs) Well, I didn't make you cry, so you're not that soft. I'm not crying now. No, I'm joking, I'm not crying. I'm not crying, everyone. I'm happy when? I'm with my family. Well, I don't doubt it. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. No, you're most welcome. Thank you for having me. Not at all. It's been a pleasure. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.